Welcome to the MMA Roadshow, episode number 144 and a half. My name is John Morgan. Cole Coffee. well, he's uh, he's stuck doing some video editing, and he was being a weenie and wanted to go home, so he's not with me. But in his place, I've got our good friend, Shamakar Sandu, who was in Las Vegas this week, uh, working for MMAIndia.com, doing good work there. I saw you doing that stuff all week. Uh, but we're here at uh, Buffalo Wild Wings, the, the spiritual birthplace, as far as I'm concerned, the MMA Roadshow. And uh, Sandu, UFC 219, Cyborg versus Home in the books. Give me your give me your initial reaction, man. Overall, kind of a, you know, an up and down card, I guess, but finished pretty strong. You know, it's funny, um, earlier in the week, we was we were talking about this and hey it's a it's a 10 fight card it's it's so digestible and i said unless it turns into a decision fest eight decisions eight decisions right but like you said it finished so strong and easily the fight everyone was looking forward to the most was Khabib versus Edson and I'm just like, I'm gushing, I'm just glowing about Khabib. I think like we all are, Khabib's performance tonight was just brilliant. It was excellent. It was dominant. It was just the best performance I think we've ever seen out of Khabib yep. against such a you know amazing striker right. you know and a dangerous striker in Edson Barboza it was uh, the elite of the elite kind of performance from Khabib and you know oh god it was just brilliant to see him this week come in look good take his nutrition and his diet and his weight cutting process seriously um, it's, I think it's the best we've ever seen him coming into jumping onto the scales um, and then to see a performance like that um, and then couple that with some really really cool moments with uh, Joe Rogan both at the ceremonial wins and then obviously a fight night. Those kind of clips always go viral. And um, and uh, and I, th- I feel like now anyone that was hating on him about his weight cut that's been put to bed. Right. You're now reminded of Khabib and what he can do when he's actually active and he's fighting because that's the one knock against him. We've not really seen him fight that many times in the last three or four years. Mm-hmm. Um, and to do it against a, a lethal striker like Edson Barboza, it just tees up one of easily on paper the best fights the UFC can put together in 2018 and that's going to be Tony Ferguson versus Khabib Nurmagomedov. Well, you know, I agree with you. I mean, normally when we go through these cards, we'll start with the main event and kind of go down the list a little bit, but I think we might as well just start here and and you've touched on a lot of it because A, I think it's the fight that most people are most anticipating. I think that it has the most you know, build off of it. No offense to Cyborg's win, which we'll certainly talk about, but we know there's just not a lot of options available to her and this is so much more exciting right now, but the performance was amazing. I, I you know, I picked Khabib going into this fight. Um, you know, Edson Barbosa, a dangerous striker, but Habib's wrestling is just on a different planet, and he, I think he reminded everybody that tonight. I think a lot of people, I don't want to say people forgot, but you know, out of sight, out of mind, right? You got people coming in and putting in great performances, and I think people just kind of forget what it's like when Habib is 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 on point. I mean. The last thing we saw, I guess, was the Michael Johnson fight where he did get wobbled a little bit. You know, he get he did get stunned. Um, and, and I think people probably, I don't know, I, you know, we talked about it coming into this fight. I feel like public sentiment had, like, switched on Habib where he used to be like, man, this Dagestani dude is unbelievable to, like, ah, this guy, tiramisu, da-da-da-da-da. But, man, what he did in there tonight was amazing. Tell you what, credit to Edson Barbosa, man. Edson Barbosa could have quit at any moment in that fight. That round one – I actually only went 10-8 in the first round, uh, so I had a 30-26 card. I think that was a clear 10-8. Don't have a problem with the other ones that were in there, but, man, after that first round, you know, the look on Edson Barbosa's face during some of those moments where it was just like, 
you know, realizing how helpless he was against Habib. And, man, the, the way Habib just takes people to the, the aggression. I mean, first of all, he's just coming at you right forward. You know, he's getting right in your face. He's not going anywhere. And then the takedown, the, the way he wraps your legs, man, and kind of triangles the legs and just suffocates you in place. Amazing. Landing shots whenever he can, sometimes big, sometimes not, but just staying busy. Uh, man, just start to finish. Phenomenal, phenomenal performance. Yes, I'm glad, I'm glad you brought up that first round because at the end of that first round, Edson Barboza looked as if he'd been in a 25-minute war. Yes, he did. You know, and he just looked so helpless. And, you know, I genuinely feel like we don't see this enough in the sport. Um, and, I, and I brought it up on social media. I brought it up in the post-fight press conference. And that's cornermen using the ability to throw in the towel to protect their fighter from yeah. taking unnecessary damage when it's clear he's lo- you know, he or she is losing the fight. Right. And we've seen, you know, uh, the, the, the Dos Santos, uh, Cain Velasquez fight comes to mind, which was, I think, a, a much better case mm-hmm. of wanting to throw in the towel. Um, but I genuinely thought, thought that, look, Edson's not, not doing anything and Khabib's just beating him and pounding on him throwing the towel it's, it's, it's game over it's done like and credit to Edson for like you know um, you know the final round throwing a few spinning heel kicks but he tried he tried his best right but you know, even at the end you know he's trying to get up to the very end in the last minute like it's very obvious what's going on and he's desperately trying to get back to his feet and do something man you can't take anything away from Barbosa 100% can't and uh, you know he tried and you know Khabib's got a chin on him right does. he does have a chin on him but look Khabib's now 25 and 0 it's right. incredible. Unbelievable. To, to be 25-0 in MMA is just insanely hard. You just don't see records like that at, you know, at this level, you know? Um, for me, belt or no belt, he is the best lightweight fighter in the world. And I don't take anything away from guys like Tony Ferguson. I take nothing away from Conor McGregor. On any given night, I'm, uh, you know, they could beat Khabib Nurmagomedov, mm-hmm. right? This is MMA at the end of the day, right? But listen, we're here. We're journalists. We're here to give our thoughts and opinions right. on what we believe in. Um, and, you know, listen, Conor McGregor has been great for us. And, you know, um, you know, uh, I genuinely believe, you know, if Conor McGregor could land that dynamite left overhand or a left hook on on anyone's chin and it's night night i just feel as though looking at how could be performed tonight the minute he gets you on that ground it's game over john it is you know and I t- it's funny that you say that because uh as far as him being the best lightweight in the world it did cross my mind a little bit you know george garcia gorgeous george he kind of heads up our rankings at ma junkie and then we we offer our input and thoughts but it's kind of his thing and i did think like such a right. I mean, those three now, and I think Edson Barbosa was kind of considered among those top, you know, the top tier. Like, but now that, th- that this has happened, the, that Edson's lost, you got those three: the champ, Conor McGregor, the interim champ, and you've got Habib Nurmagomedov here as well. And you're looking at them as like this, this you know, top tier that they've kind of separated themselves from the rest of the pack, right? But you know, our rankings have Conor McGregor as the champ first, the interim champ number two, and then of course Habib now number three. But there is a case to be made for saying that Habib may deserve to to jump over them a little bit. You know what I mean? It would seem a bit blasphemous. I mean, they they had the belts wrapped around, but Habib's sitting in the post-fight press conference. He's like, you know, these bullshit guys, like 25-0 and is real champ, you know? Not coming in and fighting once in the division and saying you're number one in the world at 155 pounds. Habib never made up 25. I mean, that is... That is ridiculous, man. And I know you could go back to his early days and be like, ah, who's this guy? But, I mean, he's, he's 9-0 in the UFC now. I mean, this, this, this is the real deal. I'm glad you brought that up. So we've got the official champion in Conor McGregor. We've got the interim champion in Tony Ferguson. 
And today, Khabib introduced a third championship belt in the lightweight division, and it's the 25-0 and 0 belt. <laughs> I thought that was brilliant. And just the way he conducted himself in the post-fight interview, in the, in the post-fight press conference, it was the longest um, um, interview Over segment. Over 20 minutes. Over 20 minutes. There was tons of questions being thrown at him. Um, and it, it was just great to see him kind of like, you know, stand there proud of his performance. He's, um, you know, gave some great, some fantastic sound bites. If anyone, um, well, I'm going to play some of it here in a little bit, so we're going to get to hear some of it. Okay, but awesome. But the, it, it, because you're dead on, because a his English keeps getting better and better and better. Yep. Uh, so that's that's a great thing. B he, you know, it's funny because it is is funny. He's like, I, you know, I'm not talking trash. You know, when I said I'd beat Connor and Tony in the same night, you guys thought I was talking trash. He's like. I'm being serious. Like, I could go fight it. So it's funny. It's like he's talking trash, but he's like, it, it, you know, it's him. Because it's not him to get on and be all braggadocio and crazy, but it's the subtle. It's the direct. You yeah. know what I mean? I love the way he handled himself. So I think, you know, start to finish, uh, he crushed it. And uh, now that I see that your your street tacos are being <laughs> delivered here, I think that what better time than to just turn it over to Habib Nurmagomedov. Uh, not going to play the full 20 minutes. I did edit it down a little bit, so it's a little bit more digestible on a post-fight podcast, but we'll let you crush your tacos real quick while everybody else listens to Habib Nurmagomedov. Muchos gracias. Habib, congratulations. I think um, everybody was pretty blown away by your performance tonight, but how about you? How did you feel you performed this evening? Hey, what's up, guys? Nice to see you after fight. <clears throat> you know, like, when I talk about, uh, like, beginning of this week, when I say I can fight with... Tony, and after a couple hours, if you see give me rest, I can fight with Connor. Like, people think I'm trash talking, right? Like, now I'm just finished fight with one of the best strikers in UFC today, right? I fight with, with him and stand up wrestling, like 15 minute war, but I still fresh, you know, and uh, I think now I can go, I can take one more fight, you know. I feel great. Thank you, guys. You know, it obviously it had been a long time for you. Did you feel any rust at all? Was it uncomfortable? And what was the feeling as, as the fight started out? Uh, before fight, uh, I talked with Javier Mendez. Javier said, hey, you, you have to focus on fight. You're smiling. You're relaxing. Let, let's, let's focus on fight. But I, tell, I told him, I'm focused, coach. Don't worry. I'm just, I want to enjoy with this time because last time I fight November, one year ago, and I want a little bit enjoy. And you know, between every fight, I improve myself. This is what I'm talking about. And when I go to the cage today, I show how I improve my striking game, my relaxing, because re relaxing is most important. When you go to the cage, you, you, have, to, you have to fight, relax, you know? But you cannot be relaxed if you have like, you know, if you don't compete with high-level guys, like in training, in sparring, you have to fight, you know, with high-level guys after confidence is coming, you know. I feel my time has come, you know. Now I'm 29 years old. Uh, I feel great everywhere about my power, about my grappling, my wrestling, my striking. And uh, I kick a couple times Barbosa too, you know. People think he's going to kick me. Uh, I kick him too, you know, and uh, thank you. You walked over uh, after the fight was over. You had a moment in the cage, and then you walked over to Dana White and had a brief conversation with him. Can we ask you kind of what you said and, and what he replied? 
any time, you know, nobody protect, you know, all greatest fighters lose, you know. But my plan is when I go to the cage, I never think about, oh, maybe I'm going to lose. No, I don't think about this. When I go to the cage, I think, oh, I, I, I have to catch some somebody because I'm the eagle. This is what I'm think. And if I fight with Connor, I think uh, he have chance like about his boxing, maybe couple minutes, I think. But what about if I'm wrestling with him all the time? Don't, 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 don't striking with him. Like protect myself, movement, change angle. Like show him take down box, show boxing, take down, change level. Like Ken Velasquez style, you know. But we have a lot of way. I can I can stay with my opponents. I can wrestling with my opponents. I can grappling with my opponents. My conditioning is better. My relaxing is good. Alhamdulillah, I feel my time is come. You know, to be honest, about Kono, I don't think. Like I don't think about this guy. He have to come back. He have to defend his belt, and uh, you know, I wanna enjoy with my victory tonight. Hey, Habib, just, uh, just real quick, two more questions for you right here. Congratulations. Uh, do you anticipate any trouble getting Tony to agree to a fight? You've said that you don't think Connor's coming back, but do you think Tony will accept a fight with you? He wants to fight Connor, is what he's been saying. I don't know about these guys' words, these guys. When I'm injured, they talk too much, but when I'm healthy, I didn't see these guys. I want to catch somebody. You know, like Tony or Connor, doesn't matter. Or maybe they're gonna fight each other, or doesn't matter. I can, maybe UFC, if UFC approve, I can fight with this guy same night. I swear, I don't joke. If UFC make this, I can fight same night. I can fight with this guy same night. Yes. Why not? Now I'm fresh. I'm fighting with Edson Barboza 15 minutes. You know, and maybe I have to stay humble, you know, but. Tonight I have to a little bit smash these guys, give these guys back because these guys talk too much when I'm injured. I don't want to be injured. I don't want to go to the hospital and make surgery, make rehab for months. I didn't want this, but sometimes this happen. But when somebody injured, you cannot talk about shit about this. You know, you have to stay humble. You have to stay focused on your job. But these these guys talk about me when I'm injured now. Where are these guys? Well, and, and that lead, my final question, and I know that you've said you don't think about Connor, you don't really care about him, but if you, if you wouldn't mind answering this question, do you think when Connor sees a performance like you gave tonight, do you think do you think he wants? Do you think he looks at that as a challenge that he wants to meet, or do you think he says I don't, I don't know? Want that? You, you ask about you ask me a question about Connor. I don't know what you think he watched or didn't watch. I don't I don't know about this to be honest. Maybe, maybe he watched, maybe not. I'm not fighting for Connor. Watch my fights. I don't know. I always watch my opponents. I watched Edson Barboza last five years, you know. And always when I watch, I think about this. Oh, I have to. If I fight with this guy, I have to do this. If I fight with the other guy, I have to do this. I always watch my opponents because this is my weight, you know. I have to watch my. I have to follow my opponents, you know. Sometimes when somebody asks me, what do you think about this guy? Oh, I don't know this guy. He fight fighter weight or light heavyweight. I don't know. But he's lying, you know. If you're a professional athlete, I know all UFC fighters. I know all UFC fighters. This is not about only UFC fighters. I know all UFC guys who work here, you know. Because I'm very big fan. I follow my dream. I'm very interesting about this sport, everything. He knows this too, but he's a little bit cocky. Though. Oh, I don't know when you ask him, oh, he fighter weight or lightweight. 
I don't, but he knows this. You know, I don't want to be like him. I watch his fights. I watch all fights other my opponents. And we'll see. 2018 is going to be big, big year for us. Very big year, inshallah. All right, so Habib Nurmagomedov has spoken. Sandu has crushed his tacos. The world is good. Sandu, let me ask you. Uh, all right, a lot to a lot to think about, and, and this, this may be one question, it may be two questions. Um, but what's next for Habib Nurmagomedov, and and how does this shake out? And the reason I say maybe it's one, maybe it's two, because do you feel like there's something that looks likely to happen versus something that you'd prefer to happen? Or I mean, how should this shake out? Because We've got this trio of top-level guys at the top, and we got to figure out some way to, to get rid of having two belts or three belts, if you like the 25-0. and 0. But we got to find some way to get this settled. So how do you think it, it should play out, and does that differ than the way you think it will play out? Look, ideal world, if Conor McGregor was to come back tomorrow and make a commitment and say, I'm going to fight an MMA in the next three or four months, You've got to book Tony Ferguson versus Conor McGregor because Ferguson's earned the right to fight McGregor. It's true. He's the interim champion. I mean, even though we've had this thing going on this for the last you know, year or so about interim titles and things of that nature, it's got to mean something. That's your golden ticket, right? Now, that being said, if McGregor's not going to come back until the summer, I think the right thing to do from the UFC's perspective is to strip Conor of the lightweight championship belt you by default make Tony Ferguson the lightweight champion and you book Tony Ferguson versus Khabib Nurmagomedov. Khabib wants to fight in around April time. They've attempted to make this fight a few times in the past. There's, there's obviously history there. Yep. Great story, great drama. Um, I agree with what you said uh, prior to this um, you know, segment uh, with regards to McGregor, Ferguson and Nurmagomedov just they've broken away from the pack. Right. I I I would protect Khabib. You know, if if Conor and Tony Ferguson fought in the first half of the year, hold on to Khabib. Just to be hang out with. Hang out, yep. chill. You're the next guy in line, and it's going to be for the belt. That's locked in. Right. But all in everything that we're hearing right now, and just you know reading between the lines, it doesn't look like Conor McGregor's going to come back until maybe the summer. Right. Right. So. Let's do this damn thing. Let's do Tony and Khabib, man. That's a that's a mouth-watering prospect, I right? Love it. Like, dude, like right now, like what's on on this on on deck right now for Q1, nothing is beating Ngannou versus Miocic. No, absolutely not. That is just just easily easily the most anticipated heavyweight title no fight question. in years, no right? No question. But this you is put pretty damn close though. Yeah, right. You put that to the side. Tony versus Khabib, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. I think you're right, man. I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head, exactly how it should play out, and, and I'm okay with that scenario. You know what I mean? I think that makes sense. It's just it's that simple. If, if, if Connor wants to wait till the summer, cool, then we, do, then we do the other two in the spring. If Connor wants to fight in the spring, then, yeah, go ahead and unify the titles first. Uh, I, think, I think you're dead on. So hopefully it plays out that way. Hopefully, you know, Habib stays healthy, stays injury-free. I mean, he's, he said it. Look, I train different than other people. You know, that's my biggest problem is that, you know, that I have to keep myself healthy. So, uh, fingers crossed, man. But uh, lightweight is, is exciting, man, and Habib is a, is a monster. All right, since we started with the co-main, let's go to the main. Uh, Christiani Cyborg, or just Chris Cyborg now. 
picks up the uh, the win. Unanimous decision win over Holly Holm. Good fight, man. A really, really good fight. Uh, a fight that, that I actually scored four rounds to one for Cyborg. I gave Holly Holm the second round. I don't think I really have a lot of problem with the 48-47 cards because, you know, Kevin Ioli was sitting next to me. He gave uh, Holly Holm the first round and gave Cyborg the last four. So he had the scorecard the, the same, the, the, the totals, but, you know, he gave the first round instead of the second. I gave the second instead of the first. So if you see judges, you know, if it's that close, the judges say, well, I gave them both to her. I, I th I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Um, and it's weird because, I, you know, I – I really do feel like Cyborg was in control the second half of this fight and really kind of separate. I think she was being very, very patient to open. I think she knew, look, I'm probably not getting Holly Holm out here as easy as everybody else that I've dusted. I need to be ready and sure that I can go 25 minutes. I think that probably contributed to a little bit of a slow start. Don't take anything away from Holly Holm, though. I mean, obviously, she was doing good darting in and out of range, avoiding the counters early on. But as time wore on, I feel like a couple of things happened. Number one, Cyborg started to realize, okay, I'm feeling good. I can, you know, I can put my foot on the pedal a little bit and speed things up. And I, and I do feel that she really kind of had had Holmes timing. You know, Holmes has, uh, you know, the, the combinations that she throws. And I think Cyborg at that point kind of knew what it was. I think, you know, she was content to counter early on. Then later Cyborg decided I'm going to go ahead and pressure as well. But, you know, I feel like, you know, Holly was landing a little bit. I mean, Cyborg was busted up. You know, she was bleeding from the nose a little bit. We saw her at the post-fight press conference. You know, Holly did some damage. But it's like Cyborg was just willing to take some of those straight shots to, to land those big, powerful hooks that he has, she has. So, um, I don't know. Overall, I thought it was a fun fight. It was really good. Um, it's, it's funny. We, we mentioned that, it, you know, this fight didn't have a whole lot of hype around it. And it's, I think it's, you know, it's the year in time. It's difficult. But it did feel pretty special as they were walking in. You realize, like, damn, these two, like, legends of the women's game, so to speak, two of the most decorated ever to do it, are facing off against each other. So, overall, I really, really enjoyed this fight, but I feel like the right person definitely won. Yeah, I enjoyed it as well. I, I thought it was a, a chess match, yeah, and, and, I, and, I, and I love those kind of fights. Sometimes, you know, a chess, labeling a fight a chess match is just a nice way of saying, you know, like, a fight that could be borderline boring. Right. You know, it needs to have some sort of, like, you know, upper class kind of like you know eyes to appreciate what you're <laughs> witnessing in the cage right but this was a genuine chess match yeah. because so what were the questions coming in right what happens if cyber goes to the fourth and right. fifth round right right she went the full 25 minutes and like you said and i agree with you i felt as though she was getting better as the fight mm -hmm. went on it's funny that you mentioned you know exchanging uh, scorecards with kevin ioli because i actually scored the first round for holly home mm. and then i scored two three four and five for chris right right I just think it was a great performance. I think Chris is in a great spot now with the UFC. She's a defending champion. Um, things seem to be great now and harmonious with Dana White and then the organization. Uh, like I said before, this is what she wanted. They were trying to book her, from what I've been told, for the New York card. And um, she was essentially kind of saying, I'm not ready yet. But also there was a part of her that wanted to kind of have her own event without a second or a third title fight. Right. And like I said, we're going to find out in the next couple of weeks, right? We'll see the numbers. We'll, we'll right? see the numbers. We'll see, in, you know, what her and Holly Holm together were able to do. There's lots of parts of the country where the weather's pretty crap right now. So maybe they were stuck and needed a little entertainment? Yeah, maybe people were at home and said, like, hey, you know what, let's, let's, let's catch the UFC card. Um, now, what's interesting about what we, with Chris Cyborg is where she goes from here, right? You've got, obviously, the opportunity to match her up with Megan Anderson. That's an option. Mm -hmm. uh, Amanda Nunes has expressed interest in in going up uh, to 145. And if, I, if I'm the promotion right now, right, given the fact that there's not exactly a plethora of 145 females to, to work with in terms of matching them up against Chris, dude, 
take Amanda Nunes and Chris Cyborg to Brazil, right? I know, I, I know that mm. kind of like, you know, puts the, 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 the 135-pound weight class kind of on hold for a bit. I just feel like, you know what? You can make an exception here. It, it should, I mean, two female Brazilian champions in Brazil. I mean, I'm thinking soccer stadium. What do you think? Am, am, I, am I too far away from no, something like no. that? No, here's, no. Here's you're definitely right. I mean, Brazil does have this thing where they don't really like having Brazil face off against Brazil. But, but I mean, I think everybody's kind of like that to a degree. But you're talking about such a unique, you know, super fight. I think they would be okay for it. I think they'd definitely sign up for it. Cyborg is huge down there. Amanda Nunes, I don't think quite is a superstar yet down there, uh, but but Cyborg definitely is. I think they could do that. The thing that I kind of buy into is the the Megan Anderson angle that, that, that Cyborg sold tonight, which is like, listen, you know, and, and I think it's important to know that she said, I'll face whoever they tell me to fight. They want me to fight Nunes, you know. So, you know, as I can see some people saying, ah, she doesn't. But for her to say, listen, I want to grow the division. This is a legit 145-er, you yeah. know what I mean? Let's do it. And she even said, and I want to go do it in Australia. And I was like, like, in six weeks? There's no. But thankfully she, she was like, no, no, not six weeks, but maybe we could do it later. Now, I mean, they are going to go back to Australia. I don't know if they'll go back with another pay-per-view, and I doubt they want to put her on a fight night card, so that might not work out. But I like the fact that she's at least saying she's willing to go to Australia and fight Megan Anderson. And I do kind of like it. Now, you know, the Amanda Nunes fight, I, I had heard that, you know, they were trying to put that together for this card. And, wow. you know, and it just didn't work out. And, and that's, you know, they ended up getting home. And, and, and that, that was a great option. I mean, as a, as a quote-unquote backup plan, you know, it was the original plan. And they, then they had to go away from it. So when, when I heard that instantly, as weird as it sounds, I wanted to see the Nunes fight more than I wanted to see the home fight, even as decorated as home is, just because I thought, well, let's do champion versus champion, not former champion moving up. So I wanted to see it more. But now that it's over, I don't know. I, I'm kind of siding with Cyborg in, in, in the fact that this is a legit 145-er. Maybe that's the fight you do first. I don't think there's a lot of fights for Amanda Nunes that I would feel like I'm losing by her moving up right now, because I don't think there's a clear-cut number one contender yep. where you're like, dude, that's the fight I got to see. So it doesn't bother me, but I don't know. In a weird way, I kind of – even though I said openly I wanted to see the Nunes fight before, now I kind of want to see the Anderson fight. Yeah, I think with Anderson, um, you know, I can't remember from the top of my head, but I think it's been a while since we last saw her fight. Yeah, it has. Right? Um, so I think if you do Cyborg and Nunes and – you put another fight together, maybe on the same card, right? Mm -hmm. On the on the on, on the on the main card or the undercard, just to kind of build her. I don't think a lot it's of not the, a bad idea. Build her profile up a little bit. I, I think there's a, lo a large segment of the UFC fan base that perhaps don't, doesn't know her story, her background, or doesn't really connect with her and know her because, like I said, it's been a while since she last fought. Um, and you put that on the same fight as Cyborg versus Amanda Nunes. That's not a bad idea. You know what I mean? Because she hasn't even made her UFC debut yet. There you go. Uh, you know, it was it was January, so it's been almost a year, full year since we've seen her fight. Um, that's not a bad plan. I, gu I guess here would be the other benefit, though. I was like, as I think about it, maybe you could do a fight night card if it was Anderson and Cyborg because – you know, Anderson hasn't fought in the UFC yet. People don't know who she is yet. I mean, maybe you could do a, a, a fight night headliner um, with her. Big Fox? Yeah, yeah, something like that. I don't know. But your idea is good because, you know, Megan Anderson, the, the, the general public doesn't know who she is yet. So maybe that wouldn't be a bad idea, having having the Nunes fight and then have her not even necessarily in a co-main, but just a, a main card slot or something like that against somebody else so people know who she is. Here's a third option, and it's something that I, I asked Chris about in the, uh, the post-fight press conference. So Zufa boxing is apparently a real thing, John, and it's coming around the corner. Dana White wants to get into uh, the boxing world and, and, and promote boxing fights. 
you know, could you perhaps take Cyborg? And this is one of my bold predictions for 2018: is Zufa boxing happens. We get a, maybe we get a couple of events to kind of you know start things going in 2018. And like my kind of my bold out there prediction is one of the fights or one of the events that Zufa boxing puts together uses a current UFC champion. And I think with Cyborg, what you could do is. Um, you know, maybe do the Cl Clarissa Shields fight uh, in, a, in a boxing match. You protect her, uh, her MMA um, resume because right. it's not an MMA fight. Yeah. Right. Um, it's it's you know, like I said, there's not a plethora of 145ers out there uh, to kind of match her up against right now. It's it's kind of a, a a weird situation. We're talking about taking the the bantamweight champion and maybe making a move up so that we've got a compelling fight for for Cyborg. If you put her in a boxing match, it gives you some time to maybe build up a Megan Anderson, right? Maybe build a whole division, buy the Invicta division or something like yep. that, right? Um, and, you know, you're using Cyborg and you're putting her perhaps in front of new eyes and, you, and you're kind of building her stardom and building her into, you know, what you want in terms of a pay-per-view block blockbuster and box office attraction. Yep. So it's a little out there, I know. And look, listen, we've just come off this year where... Crossover and MMA boxing, I think everyone's just yep. exhausted with it, right? But listen, you know, at the end of the day, we're heading into this new TV deal. We know that the UFC's kind of uh, event schedule is going to be part of it, but maybe, you know, they're protecting, you know, Zoo for boxing and keeping that in the back pocket for perhaps, uh, you know, UFC Fight Pass offering or so another revenue stream for yeah, the yeah. Island, no, yep. right? Yep, no, it's not a bad idea. You know, I, I, I do still feel like I don't have a firm grasp on what Zufa Boxing is supposed to be. And even Dana himself has said, well, I'm looking at two different models and I got to decide which way it was. I guess we should say uh, Dana White did not come to the post-fight press conference tonight. Uh, from our understanding, uh, he was just feeling a little bit under the weather uh, and didn't feel like coming to talking tonight. Uh, he's also going on vacation, so maybe he decided, like, F it, let's just start a little bit early. Or maybe he just didn't want to have to come answer Conor McGregor questions. I don't know. There's, there's a lot of reasons why he may not have gone. I did actually walk past him, um, and uh, we kind of said hi to each other yeah. on, on the way back into the arena, and uh, he looked to be in good spirits, John. Okay, well, you know, hey, man, you know, sometimes he's putting on a game face, yeah. you know what I mean? It was, it was, he was sick on the inside. That's exactly sick right. Sick on the inside. All right, well, let's do this. Uh, let's hear from uh, Chris Cyborg uh, after her win. We've got a few minutes of her uh, at the post-fight press conference and see what uh, she thinks should be next. Cyborg, congratulations on your victory this evening. Obviously, it was a very fantastic fight. Uh, what did you think about your performance in there this evening? You know, this camp, I work a lot of patience. You know, I knew, I knew, I knew how to very experienced. But I was not know she's so tough, but to have a lot of experience. And I touched her, I saw she's feel the punch, but you know, she's moving around, moving a lot. And I'm really happy, you know, I work a lot of patience and I do the right thing, we work with my team. And you work with a lot of things too, but the takedowns too, but I feel like she's sweeping, I cannot touch her because it's sweat. But I, I think we did an amazing fight. I'm really happy because I know for you to do a great fight, I have to have a good opponent, you know, and she did it very well. You talked about being patient. Um, the rounds that she won were the first two rounds. I'm just curious, as the fight was playing, I mean, did you know I've, I've got to pace myself and go five rounds, you know, or, or do you credit that to her and, and what she was doing? You know, I really train really for fight five rounds. Everybody have a question. I don't know if she's gonna have a, a cardio for this. You know, I'm 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 I can do ten. You know, I feel very great great in there, and I have a very nice cut weight. I don't have a tough time, and I'm really happy with my team. We did an amazing job, and you know, I I was happy for five rounds. All my team say, Chris, you have five rounds to finish the fight. You don't need rush. You have to see the opportunity. 
we're not used to seeing you bleed. We're not used to seeing you busted up a little bit. I, I wonder, you know, a fight like this, do you feel it's almost a good thing for you to be pushed and to be tested and for people to see this side of you? You know, when I saw, uh, first time, first time my, 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 my nose bleed. And then in the trainer, training with Hyde guys. And then when I see that, I say, what, uh, let's keep going. And uh, I will enjoy the time. We will train really hard and I'm really happy to have the, this fight like great. And last thing for me, I know you want to enjoy your win tonight, but we always want to know what's next for champions. Uh, it sounded like you said Megan Anderson in Australia is the fight that you want. A, are you suggesting you could fight in Perth in six weeks? Is that the Australia card you're talking about? And B, also, we're hearing about Amanda Nunes, that she wants to challenge you. So if that's the case, would you prefer that fight? You know, I always said I don't know to like fight somebody Brazilian, because of the, but, you know, if she want to fight me, I fight anybody who done white put in front of me. You know, I'm a fighter and I have to fight who put in me. But I'm saying about Megan is because she's 145 pounds and they, I would like my, my division growing. You know, if we grow, you need to invest. You need to put the girls 145. And I think she's in the line for fight for the belt. And because of that. Can she do it in six weeks though? I don't know, my hand really hurts now because her head, the heart, very, very hard. And <laughs> I don't know in six weeks, but you know what, a little bit. So two of the judges, gave her the first two rounds, meaning on both of their scorecards, it was even going into the fifth. Does that surprise you? I know, I, I was, when they tell the numbers that I really don't hear, but I, I need to have to watch the fights, you know, for make sure what happened. But I know she, maybe she touched me more more me, but no damage, you know, no damage. I, can, I will see her face, her eye closing, you know, I saw her face, but I have to watch the fight again for make sure if then right or not. Would you say this was the most competitive fight of your career? Uh, I think highly tough. You know, I think this mo I think the first the first ro first fight I did five rounds yeah. with her. You know, and I think she's tough. She did amazing, and yes. Would you say this is the greatest win of your career? Uh, I don't know. I think I have a long time. Yes, yeah, too. I'm not retired after that. Maybe I have three more years and see more fights. Do you think this cements you as the greatest female fighter of all time? Me? Yeah. Um, I never think like that, you know, I leave my fans think about that, I just have to keep training, keep learning, because the girls are going to like beat me, and I have to be ready. And you mentioned Megan, obviously she's had some problems fighting, are you privy to any information, are you aware, is she able to come back, is there anything you could tell uh, us? I don't know, I don't know, but it's a long time she has issues, maybe she's be ready now, uh, I don't know. Okay, and uh, last one for me, um, your weight cut seemed to go very well, your team said it went very well. What was the difference this time? I don't know. I just trained with same I'm training for make 140. You know, I was training hard for make 140. I just say, man, let's train like make more for like make 140 because I knew maybe this fight is gonna be five rounds and then I don't have any problem to cut weight and be no bit you know don't feel great there. And then I was just training same I training for make 140 and I have no have hard cut. Nice. Much of your career, people said you were just so much bigger than stronger than everybody else that you blew them away with your physical strength. But tonight you won the fight with your technical skills. Does that mean more to you than just going in there and blasting somebody with the right hand and seeing them fall down? The fact that now people are going to acknowledge you for the skills that you have as opposed to just your strength? You know, I never think to be a fighter. Um, I, I, I like a lot of sport before 12 years old. I think God giving me a gift to the one heart, hero heart, like to fight. And then for be better at everything, I'm, because I'm training. You know, I'm getting better because I train really hard. It's not just because of the gift, but I train really hard. And I think today, tonight, I just show 
why I'm getting work on, you know, at better in the holly because she's giving me challenge, more challenge. Because all most girls I punch and they finish the fight and I cannot show too much. But I really train hard. I train every day. Everybody think when my camps think, tell me, Chris, stop training. You're gonna be overtraining. And because I really want getting better every time I fight. Hi, Chris. Congratulations uh, on your win tonight. Um, the first thing I want to ask you about is Amanda Nunes. Would you be open uh, to fighting her? You know, either at a catch weight of 140 or perhaps at 145 for your belt. No, just 145. No anymore. 140. I mean, I feel great, 145, this is my, my division, I fight four and then just 145. But you're open to fighting Amanda, yeah? Yeah, I'm open to fight anybody. And in regards to defending your belt and, you know, the next time you fight for the UFC, would you perhaps like to headline a pay-per-view in Brazil? They go to Brazil a few times a year. I would like to go to Brazil, I think all fans are going to love and then the fans, the full number one, you know, after the United States love UFC. And it'll be amazing. All right, so Chris Cyborg feeling good after being tested, being pushed. You know, it's. I thought Holly fought well. I, I really, I didn't necessarily understand what she was trying to do with the clinch position. A lot of times, I, I feel like she got there a lot, but never did much with it. Maybe she was just trying to slow things down and get a chance to catch her breath and kind of wear on Cyborg a little bit. But overall, I thought I thought Holm fought well. And, and honestly, I think this is good for Cyborg to to see her pushed and tested like that, as you said, answer some of those questions that we haven't seen asked of her before. I like that, man. I think mm -hmm. that does nothing more. But build her up. You know, if she goes in there and just smashes Holly home, maybe that would be good too. But I think, I don't know, this answered a lot of those questions. So uh, we finished the card strong, man. The main and co-main were strong. The rest of the car, we had, we had some peaks and valleys. Uh, Dan Hooker picked up a submission win over Mark Diacchese. Um Fight was not good. It was not entertaining. Uh, I get it, you know. It was a chess match. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be a new thing, right? Yeah, 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 it, was, yeah. it was a chess Now, it was a little bit slow, but I get it. I mean, listen, Mark Diacchese is so dangerous and so, like, scary you know what i mean at times like i get being a little bit cautious and, and that sort of thing but the first the first two rounds were just not incredibly entertaining by any stretch of the imagination um uh, but we did get a we did get a finish out of it with the guillotine choke win kind of a bizarre one in the fact that you know mark diacasey came out in the third round and i thought was was trying to you know really uh, take it to it he finally opened up right which is was, was exciting to see and then ended up kind of backfiring a little bit because he's moving forward Dan Hooker catches him with a low kick, and it's like, I don't know if Mark was intending to shoot forward or if it was just because the leg kick knocked him off balance and he just kind of toppled forward, but he ends up going for basically what's like a lazy shot. Um, and I, I was, of course, cage side. I didn't get to hear the audio, but uh, somebody hit me up on Skype, and uh, well, somebody on our staff was like, he was literally being told in the corner, like, don't shoot. I don't want to see any takedowns at all. And he ends up shooting. And, and, and again, I don't know if it was really meaning to her because that leg kick kind of topped him forward. But regardless, Dan Hooker grabbed the choke, choked him out. Um, good, good finish for Dan Hooker. It kind of negated a, a part of the first two rounds being uh, not so entertaining. Um, but, you know, you as a – as a Brit for the time being anyway, uh, before you become a Canadian very soon. Uh, I know Mark Diacase is a guy that everybody was, was hype on, and mm -hmm. now a couple of losses and, and, and you know, a rough performance here tonight. What, what were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, well, first of all, you know, Dan Hooker, he's a roadshow favorite. I know. Yes, you know yes what I mean? he is. Yeah. Um, so, and I think... And I picked against him, though. I feel bad. Did you? I feel bad. <laughs> I feel bad. Casey's <laughs> just scary, man. But, yeah, I know. But he right? got it done. Um, look... Uh, the, the, the kind of question on Dan Hooker coming into this fight was inconsistency. You know, he just couldn't put a run of wins together. He'd win one, he'd lose one, he'd win one, he'd, lo he'd lose one. And when we spoke to him backstage, um, I think now he's, like, comfortable, you know, returning to lightweight. And, 
you know he's been around for a while and he's had he's had his you know fair share of losses and um, you know he's kind of I think now from his perspective anyway he's starting to put things together really happy at that weight class yeah for Mark it's a, it's a bit of a bummer because yeah before coming into the UFC he had all this hype highlight reel knockouts and you know the last couple haven't gone his way he's now suffered two back-to-back -back losses yeah, for the man. very first time in his in his career we were kind of talking about how the first loss was going to affect him and would he be a little uh, you know, gun shy or how would he approach this fight mentally, sure strategically, like right? Um, and, and it was kind of interesting because I thought his face-off with Hooker um, at the ceremonials was one of the more tastier ones yes, where was. Mark was the one that was kind of really coming forward and kind of like almost saying, hey, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you what I've been giving, you yep. know, for the last three or four years. Uh, forget my last performance. That's that was nothing. That was a, you know, the, um, you know, uh, one bad night in the office type of thing. But it's now two bad nights in the office for Mark Diakazi. And there's a London card coming around the corner in March. Um, that would certainly be a, a good card to kind of rehab him. Yeah, I can't think. I can't say, I think he's probably feeling fine. I think he'd be ready to fight by then. Yeah, home field advantage. You know, you get the home crowd support. Um, you know, matchmaking. You know. Well, you can't. You don't want to send him to 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 the killers just right now. Um, he's still young. Got a lot to learn. Yes. Um, and you know, hopefully, he can t take um, a, a positive look at the last couple of performances and figure out what he needs to do. Whether it's psychological, whether it is you know adding to his overall MMA game. We know he's an amazing striker, flashy, powerful. Um, maybe he needs to start putting some more time into the ground game. Yeah, it's funny. I, you know, I think what, what swayed me towards picking Mark was the fact that he's full-time at American Top Team now, and I was like, man, his first career loss, now he's full-time at ATT. Like, oh, this is setting up for him to get kind of a redemption story going on or whatever. But good for Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker said, uh, you know, six weeks from now, there's a fight in Perth. I want to get on it. Um, it was funny because the, the crowd was not loving the fight, and, you know, he gets on the mic. He's like, I want to be in Perth. Like, who wants to see me fight again? Boo! <laughs> like, oh, that sucks. Sorry, Dan. That was that was rough. So, yeah, my apologies for picking against the Hangman. I'm I'm glad he is a, a roadshow favorite. And I'm glad he got the win. But my picks have kind of sucked this year anyway. I finished the year sixth out of our ten staff members, which is pretty disappointing. But in June, I was in last place and below 500. I was having the most horrible year ever. So, so it's been a bit of a chess match for you this year as well. It's been a chess match early on. <laughs> but I'm glad I, I'm glad I got it. All right, Carlos Sparza picked up the win over Cynthia Calvillo, uh, giving Calvillo the, the, the first loss of her career. I got to say, I'm not going to lie, uh, I scored this fight for Cynthia, and I gave her rounds one and two. Um, I'm, I also will not lie. I seem to be in the minority in that. I saw a lot of people that, that um, whether it be because they don't like Calvillo's actions or whatever it is, I mean, like, they were adamant. Like, she didn't even come close because, she, you know, she after the fight, she yelled, like, this is bullshit. I won the fight, you know, and I just she was walking by press row when she said it. She really wasn't saying it to us. She was just kind of, like, yelling. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I posted that on Twitter, and everybody was like, no, she didn't, no, she didn't, she's an idiot, da-da-da-da-da. So I seem to be kind of in the minority scoring it for, for Calvillo as far as I can tell. Um, and I don't want to take away from Carla because Carla fought well. I mean, using her speed, moving it out, strike, striking a lot more than I thought we expected. I think anybody that thought she was going to win thought she was going to use her wrestling. Um, but the crowd also had it for Carla especially because they cheered loudly when she won. Cynthia Calvillo left the cage. And kind of like like held up a, a finger like wagging like no that wasn't the real score or whatever and the crowd booed her which was hilarious because it was during the middle of Carla Sparza's like speech so she's like why the hell are they booing me you know so it's kind of just a weird thing but um, you know listen I, Cynthia Cavillo's we've talked about I mean, her inexperience was going to catch up to her at some point she's only been professional for you know 
less than a year and a half at this point, which is insane to think about. That she's fighting a former champion. It's very competitive. She comes up a little bit short. Um, it's it was a uh, it was I don't know it was, it was a fight that I I, don't, I feel bad to know when I score it the other way. I don't know how I could sit here and be like, well, Carla did great. I mean, I did think she fought a good fight, and it was close. So I don't want to call it a robbery by any stretch of the imagination, but um, I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of torn on it. So it was pretty relentless uh, backstage tonight. It was just interview after interview, special guests, post-fight, you know, winners coming through, and it was just absolutely non-stop. So unfortunately, I can't actually weigh in on scoring the fight because I didn't really see much mm. of it. You, ca you catch a glimpse here, you catch a glimpse there, but I remember... Yeah, Cole Coffey told me you guys were getting your ass kicked. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, pr it was like non-stop backstage, which is, you know, it's good because, you know, uh, and we could talk about that a little bit in terms of who, who came backstage and some, you know, some key highlight moments there, but... You know, when I saw the end of the fight and, you know, the the referee just waiting to announce uh, or ha raise the hand of the winner, Cynthia was, I mean, so confident that she'd won the fight. She she was already kind of like celebrating and I'm like, oh, okay, it looks like she's pretty confident, right. like, you know, that she's got the, the nod here. And um, and then when Carla was announced the winner, I thought, oh, wow, okay. Because the, the few glimpses that I saw, it was a very competitive fight. Right. You know, it wasn't exactly, you know, uh, a one-sided affair for either fighter. Um, but, look, you know what? A lot of people were counting out Carla. You know, they were. They were thinking, you know what? She, she, was, she was the inaugural champion, lost it to Joanna. Um, and everyone's been on this, you know, Cynthia Cavia hype train, you know. She's looked great in, in, in such a short amount of time. She's, you know, obviously a Dana White favorite. She's, yes, she she's getting the promotional hustle and muscle put behind her by the UFC, um, and I, I was, I was picking her to win this fight. I'm not going to lie to you, and um, I guess it's just, you know, amazing about this sport because Carla Esparza, I think, was kind of like saying, you know what, well, don't doubt me, guys. Don't, right. don't doubt me. I'm still here. I'm still improving. You know, I'm, I'm a veteran of the sport. I've been around for a while. And uh, she's kind of derailed the Cynthia Cavillo hype train for the time being at least. I think for Cynthia, you know, again, like we are talking about Mark Casey earlier on, you know, this is her first loss of her career. Um, you know, it may not be the worst idea in the world to kind of just relax a little bit. Maybe take six months out where yeah, you can just focus on your game and, and improve because she's fought so much and so yep. often in such a short amount of time, right? Um, but uh, but look, she's still going to be around. I, I, I still think um, she's a future champion in that weight class. She's I, scrappy. and They finished yeah. strong, man. They, they, had, they had a fun fight. She's definitely got some – she's definitely got an edge to her, man. She, she was not happy. So, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, it was, uh, it, it was a fun fight. Again, the, the way it ended with him just throwing down in the center of the cage was, was a lot of fun. It was a big win for Carlos Barza. Uh, Neil Magny picked up a big win. Over Carlos Condit, taking the unanimous decision. You know, I, I picked Magny coming into this fight, and it was funny. I, you know, I had somebody hit me up on Twitter that was like, you know, shame on you for picking against Condit. I'm like, I know. I kind of can't believe I'm doing it either. But, you know, we, we, we talked about going in. Condit's had his struggles. And, yes, maybe, you know, Neil is, is a step below those names, but he's a tough, tough fighter, and he's been active. You know what I mean? It's not easy to, to, to fight the way, you know, Carlos Condit taking the long layoff on a tail end of a long career and then to come back and be on. Condit was great in this fight, man. I thought his striking, as you would expect, probably started off a little slow, started to come together a little bit afterwards, um, you know, as he kind of, you know, gained the rhythm and got used to that, you know, fight speed. Um, Neil Magny had, a, had several takedowns, but Condit was dangerous off his back, uh, you know, a lot of good submission attempts. So, you know, Carlos, I didn't think fought poorly. I think he fought well. I think Neil Magny was just a little bit better tonight. And, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll be interested to see what, what Carlos does from here, you know, whether he wants to fight again. He said 
you know, he, he didn't necessarily say he was looking at it as he had to win to keep going, but, you know, said he wasn't really sure what the future held. And, and then to come up short against a guy like Neil Magny, you know, m might deter him from going otherwise. But um, big, big win for Neil Magny. And I guess, the, you know, more so than just the performance um, was kind of what happened backstage, right? I mean, the guy, uh, I mean, I, I, I guess I'll let you tell it, but basically we end up finding – you know, as he's as he's celebrating and, and having a good time, that uh, he's ended up enduring, enduring a, a tragedy two months ago. Yeah, his brother passed away, and uh, none of us knew that. And it was it was kind of a weird situation because he kind of brought it up himself, and it, you know, you can always tell when someone wants to release. Mm -hmm. And it just happened in October, so this is pretty raw and fresh, and it kind of stunned all of us backstage. And it was kind of a weird one. Like, do you do you pr do you prod and probe? Do you ask a few follow-up questions? And you know, he was tearing up, um, and I don't, no one really did kind of push on it too right. much to find out you know, some details there. Um, and um, it kind of caught us all off guard a little bit, you know. And it was really unfortunate to to hear what he's been having to deal with and go through. And to be honest with you, um, if considering now knowing what he's had to go through, to still like. Come out, come out, and like put on a performance like that against like you know a, a legend. Mm -hmm. Let's just face it, Carlos Condit has got legendary status. It's he's a marquee name. This is a massive win for Neil Magny, a signature win. And you know we were talking about this a little bit on the on the uh, the preview show. You know Neil Magny was basically saying, I've been waiting, yeah, I've been waiting man. a long, long time to fight Carlos Condit, right? And so to, to finally get that fight and to finally win, um, you know, you can never kind of, I suppose, um, re replace another human being, a brother, a friend, a family member, right? But for him, it, you know, to come out here, end of the year show, um, and get a win, um, maybe him and his inside, that, that's, he's probably thinking that's for my brother, you know? No doubt. And, um, and, and like you said, you know, going back to just, you know, the kind of performances, I'm a firm believer in ring rust or cage rust, whatever you want to call it. Yep. And, you know, taking out 16 months, um, coming off losses. And, <clears throat> you know, Carlos Conde, we just didn't know how to, like, take what he was kind of giving to us. Uh, we didn't know what we were going to expect. And I honestly don't know what you do with Carlos Condit moving forward. Does he want to fight again? We don't know the answer to that question. If he does, what do you do? Maybe you put him with another, you know, marquee name. Do you maybe just do him and Robbie Lawler? Let's, let's forget the top 10, top Yeah, those are names. Killers. You know, you those know are names mean? like the Diaz brothers. Yes. You know, there's guys that have names where it's just like, dude, it doesn't matter what the win streak, the yeah. lose streak. It, it doesn't matter. You can put him up against anybody. I completely agree with that. Yeah, Carlos Condit has earned every right. There was nothing I saw in Carlos Condit tonight where I thought, you know, there are times where you see a person fight and you go, oh, man, don't do it anymore, bro. Like, you know, it's, it's obvious. But I didn't see that. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I, I, I was impressed with Carlos Condit. Just – Neil Magny's a, a, a tough dude, man, and he turned on. So, uh, listen, I did want to play. It's, it's short. Magny doesn't talk a lot. It, it's funny, his interviews. He's very quick. He's very to the point. You know, he, he speaks quickly. He doesn't speak in, you know, overly long sentences. Uh, so I, I wanted to go ahead and play that so you can hear just because uh, you, you can hear the emotion in his voice. It's tough uh, what he had to deal with. And, again, as you said, Sindhu, um, you know, nobody knew as far. I, I, I had not heard anything about this, and it was uh, kind, of a, kind of a crazy scene. Congrats, Neil. Thank you. <laughs> was that the Carlos Condit that you were expecting? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, going to this fight, I definitely thought it would be a close fight. Uh, I knew we would go strike for strike, uh, submission for submission. So I definitely expected it was a super close fight. Uh, that first thought, let me see that the wrestling was the only way I can break away in this fight and start getting an advantage. So I ran with it. Did you expect to 
expect him to be any more aggressive? Um, you just never know. I mean, uh, it's been a while since he's fought last. He has plenty of things he, he was working on. Um, I thought that what he's worked with was more grappling related, just based on how he fought today. He might have wanted to go out there and showcase his grappling. Were you happy with your performance against him? Yeah, I was pretty happy with it. There were some things I could definitely done better, but overall, I'm happy with the performance. Like what? So uh, one thing I didn't like was uh, my uh, my striking. I could have been a little more active with it and pushed forward a little bit more. But uh, at the same time, I need a little caution not to get caught being too aggressive. Were you surprised at all by uh, the way he fought? Did he seem like he was rusty at all? Because, I mean, you followed his career. You know something about him. No, not at all. I mean, uh, he went out there and he, he put on a great fight. Did we, I don't think the fight was... Uh, as clear and decisive as it was, I think the biggest thing with the takedowns was what was separated the fight. But he he seemed like normal college count to me. <laughs> he went out there trying to put it on. <laughs> you uh, you seem to catch the low kick a lot. Is that something you knew was coming, or is that something you just reacted to in the fight? Um, so that's something I knew a lot of guys were game plan against me. I mean, uh, since the Res Larkin pointed out, everyone's been attacking that lead leg. So I, if I were fighting me, I'd kick the hell out that front leg too. So uh, I expected that it would be something that his uh, coach is putting in his game plan. Where do you think this will take you? Uh, I have no idea where this takes me now. I mean, I'm waiting for the phone calls to come in Monday morning and see who's next. <laughs> How are you going to celebrate this big win? Oh, man, this is going to celebrate my uh, fiancé, friends, and family are in town this weekend. I mean, uh, it's been a long year for my family and I, so it goes out this, win with a big, it goes out this year with a big win. It feels amazing. He's probably going to go help somebody is what he's going to do. <laughs> There's someone that needs it. Carlos <laughs> can be very dangerous off his, off his back at times. Did you ever feel feel threatened when you were on top? Uh, no, not at all. I mean, uh, that's literally a position we drilled in practice over and over and over. And we got to the point that I was really like, coach, I'm done with the guard. I'm done doing these elbows over the top. I'm done controlling the wrist. Let me do something else. So uh, my coach prepared me for every aspect of this fight, so I didn't see anything that surprised me out there. The ke catching those kicks, is that something you started training more after the Larkin fight, or is Larkin just an off night for you? Uh, no, he definitely pointed something out with the low kicks. He uh, uh, just... I mean, he did his homework. He pointed it out, and every guy that I fought since then has been attacking that lead leg. So uh, I knew it was something that they were, they were putting their game plan when they're getting ready to fight me. So um, I just had to adapt to it and get better. I can't allow my leg to get kicked out and not do anything about it. So I was ready to counter and, and uh, make him pay for every leg kick he threw. And you mentioned that it was a long year for your family. What, what did you mean by that? <laughs> uh, uh, so, uh, earlier this year, uh, my brother was killed. So uh, I've been dealing with that a lot but this year so it's just been something that I just kind of try to hold in and not really show much just like we strong for my family strong for guys that look up to me so um, as much as it affects me I try not to show it uh, day to day and affect me in any kind of way. Alright so certainly the uh, the biggest win of Neil Magny's career at least in terms of name recognition he's had some big ones man a guy that seems to defy the odds sometimes. Uh, the preliminary card uh, Khalil Roundtree came up short against Mikhail Alexichuk, I didn't. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah, totally got it, got it. Uh, listen, uh, man, Khalil, we had that great interview ahead of time. You know, Khalil, a Vegas guy, and he was talking about, you know, kind of having to tap into his inner anger a little bit and, and, and come out and fight that way, and he did, man. He came out like a, like, like a man possessed, just throwing bombs. He was wagging his chin a little bit, holding his hands down, just inviting a brawl. Um, but he got tired very, very, very quickly. Um, you know, he, he started round two and round three with little bursts, but it was just obvious he was exhausted. And uh, Alexia Juk, who came in here on, on short notice, uh, picked up a huge win. Hell, hell of a USC debut for him. 
Yeah, again, this is one of those fights that I barely saw because yep. we were in the thick of it. It's so funny and strange where, like, you know, post-fight, you you want to weigh in on, on the action of the night, but that's where, I suppose, when you when you got the cage-side seat, that's where you have the, the, the best eyes in, 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 you know, from the media. Yep. Well, we're able to give you the perspective of, of the, of the post-fight winners, right? Yep. And... Um, but yeah, look, you know, um, we spoke about it again on the preview show. You know, you you were big on Khalil mm-hmm. talking about um, how he kind of, uh, you know, was a little peed off eventually uh, coming off that loss to Tyson Pedro. And, you know, since then he's kind of changed things and turned things around, got a couple of like, knockout wins. Um, honestly, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, didn't really know too much about Michael O uh, <laughs> coming into this fight. Nobody did. Or just Michael, if you're a member of the UFC uh, staff that <laughs> were introducing him at the official weigh-ins on Friday morning. Um, but look, man, like he doesn't have a Wikipedia page, um, so hopefully that'll 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 change following this fight. Um, but um, you know, I kind of spoke to him about perhaps fighting on the London card. You know, mm-hmm. um, he's Polish. Yep. Massive Polish community uh, in London. Um, that's the first European card slated for 2018. Um, looking at him backstage, a couple of stitches over his, you know, eyebrow. But apart from that, not too bad. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's he's up and running in the UFC now. Well, his manager told me keep an eye out for my guy. He's like he's tough as nails. He definitely he definitely proved it tonight. Miles Jury picked up the unanimous decision win over Rick Glenn. Miles Jury looked fantastic, man. He was just on point. He he showed such just disregard for Rick Glenn. But as this thing went on, it basically looked like a sparring match. And he just looked so comfortable on the feet, like he wasn't worried about anything. And it was no disrespect to Riglin. He wasn't being a, a jackass. But you can just see when, you know, when people realize, like, oh, my God, my timing's on point tonight. I see everything coming. You know, I, I know it is. And Miles Jury was doing that, having beautiful counters. And uh, Jury's one of those guys that is very talented and just kind of flies under the radar, man. He's got a hell of a career record. You know, he had a couple of losses back-to-back. Charles Oliveira and Donald Cerrone, and I think, you know, maybe people kind of turned away from him a little bit, but um, the dude's the real deal, and he showed it tonight against Rick Glenn. Yeah, you know, Miles Joe's an interesting uh, story because he took that long, he had that long layoff, right? Mm -hmm. Took some time out of the game. Um, He came back, didn't go too well in his first outing, but he's got a couple of wins now put together. Um, He's enjoying life uh, at featherweight. Um, He's happy. Um, And, you know, Miles Jury, he's one of those fighters where when you first saw him, you could see something special there, uh, you know, a, a potential, you know, top, top elite level contender. Um, I don't know if I'm if I'm quite there with him right now. I, I want to see more. Um, in the post-fight interview, he talked about kind of going back to Alliance MMA, mm-hmm. um, and it kind of just came about because he was at um, Stephen Thompson's um, um, wedding. Right. Stephen Thompson? Did I get that right? Jeremy Stevens. Jeremy Stevens. Jeremy Stevens Thompson. There you go. Jeremy Stevens Thompson's wedding, <laughs> just a couple of months ago. I was like, what? Well, how does that yeah. connect him to? All right, yeah, was yeah, it yeah. Wonder Boys? Jeremy Stevens. Obviously, the frosty <laughs> beverages are flowing here, <laughs> and it's three uh, thirty in the morning. Yeah, you know. um, but yeah, he was at Jeremy Stevens' wedding um, just a couple of months ago, back in September, and he essentially just kind of um, hooked up with the uh, the old Alliance MMA kind of coaches, um, and they kind of just he said they had just hashed it out. That's and, awesome. And he was like, listen, I've got, cu- got a fight coming up in about, what, eight or nine weeks. Um, can you guys make some time for me? They were like, hell yeah, we Very can. Very cool. And now, and now he's back. 
you know, and um, it's, it's a bit of a feel-good story to come back to, uh, to a gym. Everything seems to be put together. He's now going to be helping Jeremy Stevens for his fight against Duho Choi. So he seems to be in a good spot. Couple of wins, back-to-back -back wins, got the mojo running up again and uh, something to look forward to in 2018 in terms of Miles Jury in the featherweight division. And, you know, he's one of those guys that in, in the featherweight division, you get maybe two or three wins running together yeah. and then you could... You can that, get up there. That next wave of That's talent right. at 145 right. pounds. Like, all right, Amari Akhmedov and Marvin Vittori fought to a majority draw. Um, another weird one here with the scoring. Uh, man, it's, it sucks because when there's a couple of controversial scoring or ones I disagree with, I always go to MMADecisions.com, man. I love that website, but I get, it's, right now it's down. I don't know if they're having some kind of server issues or what, but uh, not working for me right now. But I always like to see where it was. Uh, so this was the, the, the fight. It was a brawl. It was fun. Uh, the two dudes were just in there swinging. Omari, I, you know, you talked about kind of tasty ceremonial weigh-ins. This, this, these guys kind of went at it a little bit too, you know. Um, and, you know, they, they came out and they brought – these dudes were throwing bombs. I mean, just blasting each other. Uh, I scored the fight. The, the, the fight was scored 28-28 on two cards, leading to the majority draw. One was 29-28 Vittori, um, which is the way I had it. Uh, two rounds to one. Uh I don't know. I, again, I, I hate it when I can't see how if I'm just way off base in my scoring or if other people kind of had it the same way I did. Um, but, I, you know, I did have this as a win for Vittori. I think everybody um, was, you know, I know he was a little bit disappointed. Nobody liked to see a draw. But these two dudes went there and threw down. I, I don't think they have – it sucks because neither one gets to pick up a win. But they both, I think, at least hopefully people enjoyed it. You didn't get to talk to either one of them backstage because they both – they both were transported, I think, from my understanding, right? Or did they did they tell you guys that they transported them, or if they just didn't bring them back? We never got clarification on that. I, I personally, I didn't ask. It was a damn up. brawl. I bet they both went to the hospital. To be honest with you, man. Yeah, and look, if they're not too badly hurt in the next couple of weeks and months, again, again, I, I refer to the London card. Mm. They're you know both you know from Russia, Russia, versus, Russia Italy, versus Italy. Run it back. Exactly. Why not? Right. I'm down for that. I'm That's down. actually not a bad idea. It was a fun fight. Mateus Nikolaou picked up a unanimous decision win over Lewis Smoka. Holy crap, did, did, did Mateus look fantastic. And, uh, again, I'll, I'll give Smoke a credit, man, all heart. I, I did see him afterwards tweeting, you know, he's not sure what his next move is. He doesn't know if he needs to move up a division or if he needs to address some things. You know, he talked about the fact that he quit drinking going into this, you know, fight because, he, you know, he wanted to focus. And Smoke, again, another guy that had – uh, several opportunities to basically quit if he wanted to. If he wanted to get out of there, uh, he was in some bad positions uh, throughout the fight. But Nicolo just kept kept pressing and looked phenomenal, man. And the other thing I learned about Nicolo this week is he speaks really good English. He I does. didn't know that. We Fernanda had done some interviews with him, and I'd, I'd never spoken with him, so I just assumed he only spoke Portuguese. But his English is really good. He did a full media scrum, English speaking, with us first, and then he had a separate setup. Uh, for the Brazilian media. That's how good his English was. It was fantastic. Um, but going back to Smoke for a second, I don't know what's gone wrong here, John. Right. Because we were kind of funny. We were talking about this the other day. Like, just a couple of years ago, he was headlining the, the doubling card uh, against Paddy Hodan. A little bit by I'll default. Be it, yeah, <laughs> I'll be it like the fourth choice. Right, but right. Still. But still. Um, and um, now he's. this is his fourth loss in a row. So... A loss against Brandon Moreno, uh, Moreno, a loss against Ray Borg, a loss against Tim Elliott, and now a loss against Mateus Nicolau. Yeah. Um, normally, typically, when you're, you know, got three losses in a row, four losses in a row, your UFC future looks pretty bleak. Now, going back to what Dana White said about, you know, potentially, you know, doing a 180 and hosting or holding an event in Hawaii. 
perhaps you give him one more shot, you stick him with the fight pass prelim if you are eventually going to go to Hawaii. Right. Right? But, yeah, I don't know. I'm a bit kind of like, I don't, I don't know what to make of, of Lewis Schmoker because, you know, he's not exactly been putting on great performances. He's losing fights, you know. No, it's again, I, I reward him for his toughness, his durability, for, for getting himself out of bad positions all the way to the end. Um, but, yeah, at the end of the day, you, you got to win fights, right? I do like the idea of if that Hawaii show is going to happen, you know, maybe he takes six months off until that's booked and, and you just save him for that card and he can work on whatever it is and, and, and fight there. Uh, all right, the card started out with Tim Elliott picking up a submission win over Mark De La Rosa. Listen, we talked about it at length going into this. I'm not going to lie. You know, I, I don't cheer for fights, but just as a human being, I couldn't help but but want the best for Tim Elliott. And, uh, you know, I, I think I think Mark De La Rosa is a talented kid, and I want him to have all the success in the future. You know, he, his uh, his wife was there in his corner, uh, Montana De La Rosa. And, uh, you know, I wish all the best for both of them. But I, I will say uh, I thought Tim Elliott fought well tonight. Uh, I think he, he is the better fighter out of the two. Um, but knowing all he had to deal with and everything that, w that was going on, um, you know, he, he talked about it, uh, and, and, and I, I want to play it after we talk about this fight a little bit, but we'll just talk about the, the audio. I mean, when you guys talked to him backstage, he, he revealed that, you know, he, he practiced the, the, the cage walk, you know, with his team because he knew he was going to be upset. He knew how tough it was going to be. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's just the guy turned in, I thought, a great fight regardless, and he, he didn't sound like he was necessarily happy with himself, but I thought he had a great fight regardless and then when you add in again what we know he was dealing with and just how weird this has been and you know for him to admit he was he was you know drinking and and having pro i mean i don't know man the guy the emotion was was definitely evident uh in in his time speaking with you guys i thought joe rogan classy the way he handled the post fight interview just you know one comment and i thought that was cool that he opened up and and, and let tim just say whatever he wanted to say but i thought for sure like rogan would then follow up with something and instead he just let it go, and that, that was all that was said. It was cool. Tim Elliott, as he walked by, press row actually just kind of kept his eyes down, like didn't make eye contact with anybody. Um, you know, it looked like he was still fighting back tears a little bit, but uh, I, was, I was just happy for Tim Elliott. Yeah, co-signed that. Um, you know, it's weird. I don't know why, but this fight week, I saw Tim Elliott almost every single day, two to three times a day. For some, I just, I just kept bumping into him <laughs> more than any other fighter. It's That's just, crazy. It's so strange. And, and like most of the time, it was just him walking around by himself. And a couple of times, it was with you know, with his teammates and cornermen. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't know why that kept happening. It's just one of those things. You know, you're know, you staying at the MGM and you know, the, the walk over to the T-Mobile, you kind of cross paths right. and things of that nature. But yeah, he revealed, you know, he'd been boozing. You know, he got to Vegas on, uh, on Christmas Eve and he was just by himself. And he was boozing, and this is just what a week away. Yeah, a week away from his fight, right? And um, you know, obviously, you know, in the uh, in the post-fight media scrum audio that you're about to play, you know, he's asked about Robert. He's asked about Robert Follis, and he talks about it. Um, actually, speaking about Robert Follis, um, kudos to the UFC. They um, had a graphic displayed. Uh, I don't know if it was at the start of the pay-per-view. Start of the pay-per-view, right? yeah, just right, right before everything kicked off. It was, you know, they didn't ask for a moment of silence or anything like that, but they. They brought down all the music, just threw the graphic up, you know, in memory of Robert Fallis. You know, a very, it was a very nice touch. Yeah, good, good for the UFC for doing that. And, um, you know, we talked about, you know, what happens if Tim Elliott loses, right? Um, thank God, you know, he won. Um, and, you know, he credited uh, the other coaches as well of, of really kind of being there as a support system for him, helping him. Um, and, and, and just what I took away from that post-fight media scrum is 
he wants to kick on and push on from now, mm -hmm. right? He wants to become a champion, and he doesn't want to waste the times uh, and um, all the, the 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 hours and the days and the weeks and the months spent in the gym under Robert Follis to be for nothing. Yep. He wants to use that, and that's his motivation now um, to almost you know carry on fighting throughout his professional career, you know, for Robert. Right. Um, so yeah, it was just a, a, a real um, feel-good moment just to see him win. Say, you know what? Good for you, son. It was all right. Let's hear from uh, let's hear from Tim Elliott, who um, kind of puts a bow on what's been a, a very difficult stretch for him. That seems to be a very emotional fight for you. I know that you lost your jiu-jitsu coach two days ago. Um, how do you feel? How do you felt there? Uh, man, he was much more than a jiu-jitsu coach. He was uh, my MMA coach and one of my best friends. Um, I feel good that I got the win, but uh, I feel like it's not enough. I don't feel like I performed as well as I could have. Uh, I got emotional walking to the cage, which we tried to prevent. We practiced walking to the cage. Um, I'm, I'm very lucky that I had the coaches with me that I did. Um, the walks to the cage this morning before the fight um, to prepare for the walk to the cage tonight, I feel like that really helped me prepare to get out there. Um, without getting too emotional. Um, I didn't want to have a dump before I got in the cage. Uh, I still had a little bit of a adrenaline dump when I got in there, but uh, I have good guys in my corner. Um, even though Robert Follis isn't here uh, yelling at me, uh, everything that he ever said to me is still in my head, so um, it's still very fresh in my mind. So, Tim, you actually played out the walk yesterday? Uh, no, uh, today before the fight, James Krause brought me in the hallway because I told him I was nervous about walking to the cage. Um, I'm an emotional guy. Uh, I'm a passionate guy. Um, I wear my heart on my sleeve. Um, I didn't want to. I didn't want that to affect my fight. The only time I really have my emotions in check is when I'm in the cage. So uh, I didn't want to change from that. So before the fight, we put my walking music on. We did a countdown. We bounced around. Uh, we walked to the cage just like we would have before a fight. Uh, we stood at the cage. I took my shirt off. Uh, hugged my coaches. I walked in the cage and uh, I started doing my little dance that I like to do. So um, it wasn't the first time tonight that I walked to the cage and, and prepared for that. So again, you know, that's that's all of my coaches. I, I have three great guys in my corner, and um, you know that that pushed me through tonight. What has this week been like for you from checking? I know you've been asked about it a lot, but to go through all this after his passing, so you know, so recently, what has it been like overall? Uh, man, it's it's been pretty rough. I uh, from the Canada fight. Um, he was supposed to fly out with me Tuesday. I, I pushed his uh, flight back to Thursday because uh, he was going to be with Brian Caraway. Um, Brian Caraway's fight fell through, so he called me, asked me to move the flight back to Tuesday. But it would have been another $700. So um, he said, "Don't worry about it." flew flew to flew to Winnipeg, and um, you know I didn't hear from him, so I knew something was wrong. Um, since then, uh, I've been kind of on a little bit of a self-destructive path. I came out to Vegas early. Uh, without my coaches, and I shouldn't have done that. I, I, I screwed around a little bit. I wasn't doing the things that a, a professional athlete should be doing, and uh, you know that was a mistake I made. I, I should have never came out here without my coaches. Um, as soon as my coaches got here on Tuesday, um, they slapped a little sense into me and, uh, and, and put me back uh, on the right path, um, doing the things that I should be doing to prepare for a, a professional MMA fight. Do you consider pulling out of this fight? Um, James Krause told me that I, I shouldn't take the fight right away in Winnipeg. Um, and my words to him was, I, I don't want to waste my time, and I don't want to waste Follis's time. I put in a two-month training camp with Robert. I spent every day with the guy. Um, I, I, I took in a, a bunch of knowledge, uh, a bunch of love, a bunch of support, and I, I didn't want to waste that. So, um, you know, I, I came out here. Um, like I said, I was screwing around a little bit, and as soon as he got here, I, I told him I felt like, you know, maybe I shouldn't have taken this fight. Um, I, I cried a lot every day, and... Uh, you know, he told me, he said, you wanted this, you asked for it. 
um, you're a man of your word, and, and you know I, I did what I said I was going to do. And again, it, it's all it's all my coaches. They they're the guys who who got me through this. I, I couldn't have done it on my own. I, I really believe that. How would you describe now how you're feeling afterwards after this whole emotional rollercoaster comes to an end with victory? Um, I feel like uh, my adrenaline kind of dumped when I got in the cage. My arms were dead. Um, I was going to bail on the choke. I, I was I was letting go of the darts, and James Krause said, that's tight, stick with it, chase the hips. And, you know, again, he knows way more than I do. And uh, uh, my best attribute in fighting is, is I can listen to my coaches. Um, I put all my trust and all my faith into those guys. I know they know what's going on. So uh, as long as I can just keep my mouth shut and my ears open, I feel like I, I can beat anybody. How much did having your old coaches here at IC Sacramento, James Krause, how much did that help you kind of pull through this? You talked about them pulling you out of the self-destruction. Uh, it, it was everything. Like I said, uh, my birthday was Christmas Eve, and then Christmas, uh, I was here by myself. Uh, I was just drinking a lot, staying out all night, not sleeping. Um, those guys saved me. It's not the first time, though. It's, it's nothing new. Um, that's what friends do, and that's what coaches do, and uh, I'm lucky to have those guys. What did they say to you uh, that kind of pulled you out of that funk? Uh, man, they didn't have to say anything. Uh, I knew what I was doing wasn't right, and uh, I, the whole reason why I love Robert Fellows so much, he holds his guys accountable. He's on the phone every day. What are you doing? What are you eating? What are you drinking? Uh, how much are you sleeping? Um, and, and that's one of the reasons why I came up here to be around him. Um, he's, a, he's a full-time guy. He's a full-time coach. After the Ultimate Fighter and Demetrius Johnson, uh, I was done fighting. I was on retirement. I, I figured, you know, it just it wasn't for me. I fought the best guys in the world, and, you know, the very best guys in the world, they beat me. So I thought maybe uh, this wasn't for me. And, you know, Robert, Robert believed in me fully. His, his only goal as a coach was to create a world champion. That's what he wanted to do as a coach. And, uh, you know, he told me that I was the guy. And uh, he believed in me enough for both of us. So that's why. What did you take into the octagon from Robert tonight? Oh, man, everything he ever said to me is, is, is still in my head. Um, but again, you know, I'm not the smartest guy. I'm good at taking orders. Uh, I just wish that I would have listened a little more, and I, I wish that I would have had a little more time. But uh, I feel like uh, the time that I did have with him was, was very special. And, you know, I never questioned anything that he ever said to me, and I wouldn't question anything after what he's done. Is there anything that you'd like to do as a tribute before this, um, something that you maybe have planned uh, in the <clears throat> Um, just stick with it. Keep working hard. Um, not screwing off so much. Uh, trust in my coaches. Trust in myself. Tim, there was a moment. I think it was either the first or second round. I'm, for, I'm sorry. Which one? Did he bite your hand, or there was a moment there was some grumbling? What happened there? Uh, you know, I said my hand was stuck in his mouth, and I said that he was biting me, and uh, he laughed and he said uh, I wasn't biting you. I just I had my mouth open, and uh, I said, Well, why do you have your mouth open? And he was like, All right. So we both had a little bit of a laugh. No big deal. I don't. I don't care. I mean, it, it, even if biting was legal, it's not It's not that big a deal. It's a fight. So sometimes you get bit. Sometimes you get kicked in the nuts. Sometimes you get poked in the eye. That's just part of this game. Any fight you won next? Uh, you know, I'm going to go back and talk with my coaches and uh, try to get my mind right, um, uh, go back with my team and, uh, you know, uh, hug on my daughter and love on my daughter a little bit, and then, you know, we'll make a decision from there. Speaking the way you do uh, Last question. about your coaches and also about Robert, <clears throat> I know that you're still in the middle of your own career, but have you thought about a post-bike career and, and perhaps coaching down the road? Um, man, I, I try not to think too much into the future. Um, I, I want to focus on the now. I'm, I'm a live-in-the-moment kind of guy, so uh, I'm just I'm really trying to enjoy myself. And you know, I I had a five-year plan for the first time in my life. I had a, a set plan, like 
this is where I'm going to be. I'm going to be here with Robert Fallis. Um, I'm going to work to try to become a world champion. And for the first time ever, I thought that that was a possibility. And then, uh, you know, it was a pretty huge blow after, after his passing. And um, I, feel like, uh, I feel like I owe it to him to at least give it a shot. So I'm not focusing any, anything on the future other than uh, my next opponent. And then, um, you know, then I'll go from there. All right, so Tim Elliott says, you know, he was uh, he, had, he had had some harsh words for the UFC, but said that, uh, you know, they're on good terms now. The UFC had done everything to make it right. And that was before he knew he was getting an extra $50,000 for a performance of the night bonus. So I, I think at this point uh, he's really excited and, and okay with the UFC. Obviously still very difficult times for him. I think he's going to have some – some grief to deal with, and, and uh, but it does sound like he had the right attitude. Just to wrap it up, Habib Nurmagomedov also picked up performance at night bonus. No question there. That was incredible. Then Cyborg and uh, and Holm earned $50,000 a piece as well for the fight of the night. You guys, you, you touched on it earlier, but here you go. Uh, you guys were slammed all night last night. You had a – last night, tonight, whatever. It's like 4 o'clock in the morning now. Um <laughs> uh, Ton of guest fighters. Uh, what, Michelle Watterson came back there. Volkan Ozdemir came back. Uh, who else did you have back there? And, and, and did anything? Was there a, you know a line or two here or a fact or two that stood out to you? We're gonna we're gonna have all this content. We'll be rolling out through the week. There's no event this week, so it works out great. Um, I'm sure MMA India will have plenty of content, but I'm talking about MMA Junkie. Uh, we'll have we'll have all this stuff out. But uh, give us a little tease, a little preview. Anything from the guest fighters that stood out to you? Yeah, um, Uriah Faber was also one of them, mm. and Sarah Kaufman. Um, I thought it was a a fantastic move by the UFC to give Sarah Kaufman a platform there to speak to a ton of media. Now, she is not a UFC fighter That's anymore. Right. She is fighting for Invicta. She's headlining their next card. Now, that fight's going to air on Fight Pass. It's smart. It's such a smart move. And Sarah's ultimate you know, goal is to get back to the UFC. So here you have a ton of media because it's a pay-per-view, right? And she is out here talking about her Invicta debut. Yep. And I just, I, I just thought that was a listen, brilliant move by the UFC. I'm telling you right now, and I've told them this, and, and again, I mean, they, not that A, they need to listen to me, and B, that they don't have other stuff going on, but I think that USC needs a full-time PR person that just does PR for the organizations on Fight Pass. Basically help them. You know what I mean? Like help them with – you know, if they're not good at writing press releases, help them. You know, if they're not good at, 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 at getting interviews with people, pitch their people. Just, you know, pay a little bit extra money. You know, obviously you're not going to go crazy and spend, you know, inordinate travel costs. But, you know, if you could fly in a Victory FC headliner, you're like, you're going to tell me that somebody on, on those smaller cards, Titan or whatever it may be, like, you know, wouldn't, like, hell, fly in, go to an event and fly out that night. Like, maybe you wouldn't even have to pay a hotel room or maybe you pay – you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think they should do stuff like that. I mean – Fight Pass, of course, the USC content is always going to be most valuable content on there. But you got all these regional promotions. I think they should do stuff like that. I totally agree. Uh, and that was kind of the standout uh, moment from me, just, just seeing, wow, Sarah Kaufman's here talking about Invicta to all this media. I thought, brilliant. Good good move, guys. Yep. Um, Vulcan Ozdemir was was dressed pretty flashy, man. Yeah. Gucci belt, Gucci shoes, Versace belt. Versace shoes. Thank you, Abby Saban, for correcting me. <laughs> I should say the MacLife.com crew's been over here working. Like, oh, so yeah, working hard. Yeah, we, since we were over here trashing. Well, you are MacLife right now, Abby. That's for, for right now. Okay. MMA Junkies own Abby Saban, who is working for the MacLife this weekend, uh, is, is there. But he'll be back. He'll be back with us. That's what's up. That's yeah. what's up. Um, yeah, so, um, you know, again, you look. 
Volkanos Demir, for the very first time in his career, was involved in a big pre-fight press conference mm. uh, yesterday, which was awesome to see. Uh, and now, again, being used and get, getting that platform uh, to speak to a ton of media. Because at the end of the day, like I think universally everyone's going to pick Daniel Cormier. But you can't go against what Ozdem has done this year. No and time. listen, listen, if he gets it done, right, if he upsets Daniel Cormier, knocks him out in the first round, right, then all of a sudden we've got a, a new player, a new superstar is born. And, and like, uh, one of the questions I asked him was, uh, look, changing your, your nickname to no time, you know, dressing the way you are right now, is this all kind of like a, a conscious decision on your part from, you know, f you know to, to, to express yourself in a certain manner, knowing that this is entertainment as much as it is sport. Right. And he essentially said, look, everything I'm doing right now, it's me. It's all organic, right? The only difference is he's got more money to play with now. <laughs> I so it. I like it. Volcanoes Demir, no time. Um, definitely kind of, I suppose, um, I, I like what he's bringing to the table. The more we see from uh, yeah. see him and the more we hear from him. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, you think about the year the Vulcan had. I mean, uh, he starts out the year as a late replacement, fights with Vince St. Pru. I remember I talked to him. That was the Super Bowl card down in Houston. I was the only media there. Nobody, nobody went to that. And, you know, from – who knows? I mean, it's just, and that's why I love talking to these prelim fighters and, and talking to you know newcomers, just because like, you never know the journey that they're on, and, and it's fun to, to to follow that rise. And this rise has been astronomical, man. If he can find some way to do it against Daniel Cormier, I mean, it, listen, DC's a beast, man. It's tough, but uh, yeah, Vogel's good. He's, you know, I think I, the first time I talked to him, like he, he was kind of nervous, like he didn't really do many interviews, you know. And now he's having to do the big press conferences and and all that. It's uh, it's pretty cool stuff. So. All right, well, listen, uh, that puts a bow, I guess, on USC 219. That puts a bow on uh, the year. It's New Year's Eve now. It's officially New Year's Eve. And, uh, yeah, Risen's going on right now, but I, I don't have time to talk about that. No. I just want to have a few frosty beverages. That's right. Go to bed. You don't have to fly back to England, though. You're just flying to uh – No, I'm flying to Toronto via Atlanta. And um, I actually just want to say, like um, – I really enjoyed this week, mm -hmm. and I kind of go back to some conversations we had, kind of, uh, uh, you know, throughout the week. And had we not, me and Abby, had the platform of contributing to MMA Junkie over the last two or three years, we wouldn't be sitting here right now, mm. um, working this event, um, albeit for different outlets. Yeah, you know, and um, it's the first time me and Abby were able to cover an event together in Las Vegas considering how long we've been in the game for yeah. and it's the very first Vegas event right and again albeit for different outlets like this guy's my day, day one partner in crime right me and him we started this game together from nothing but a YouTube channel and all of a sudden John Morgan's looking at us put, put in the hustle in Stockholm and next thing you know we're contributing to Demi Junkie it's been a whirlwind you know ride from, from the get go um, but I've, I've really enjoyed it and also actually want to say I want to give a shout out to the UFC PR team tonight because um, you know, I'm still kind of like you know, I'm, I'm a one-man team at the moment on, right. on the ground for MMA, MMA India. I don't, we don't have two, three, four guys kind of being able to do bits and pieces. It's all me, and um, you know, I'm still kind of getting grips to being like a, a videographer and and getting bits and pieces done backstage. But you know, there was a, a technical issue that I really needed help with tonight. But and, and the UFC PR team came through for me big time strong. That's awesome. Um, so, you know, I want to give them a shout out because they really helped me out tonight. Very cool. Yeah, man, it was kind of bittersweet this week. It was happy to see both you guys over here, uh, you know, and it sucked to see you 
kind of working for other outlets or whatever. But at the end of the day, man, whatever helps you guys is is good. You know what I mean? We we can't have everybody, I guess, on our team. Uh, They've told me the budget will not allow that. <laughs> Trust me, they have told me the budget will not allow that. So I was happy for you guys to be here in Las Vegas, and hopefully we'll be seeing a lot more of you guys at, uh, at some of these stateside events. So anyway, listen, it's, uh, it's time to enjoy a little bit of a holiday. Uh, I've got to get a little bit of a few hours of sleep. You guys have got to get your travel done. So we'll just wrap it up, and I uh, hope everybody has a happy new year. And, of course, thanks for listening.